All right. Man, you guys, golly, keeping it going. I'm about to bring you down to Florida, teach my church how to welcome me when I come up and preach. Now, you guys can be seated, get somebody a high five and say, I'm so glad you came today. You need it. Come on, how many of you sit next to somebody who needs it? Come on, you're glad to hear for the word. Yeah. I am so honored uh, to be here today. Honestly, I, uh, I wish I could just take the whole service, the time we have here together, and just kind of tell you how much this means to me. Uh, to be here. I just have a huge affinity for this area. I'm originally from Louisiana. Come on, any Cajuns in the house? All right. You know my cousins, though, because they on TV all the time. You know, we get these reality goofy shows. That's junk. Those, those, that stuff's real. I just want you to know. It's, that's why I left Louisiana, you know. But uh, I have a real heart for this area for a couple of reasons. One is my wife, uh, her family, and she lived up here uh, as well, and that's what Pastor Derek was talking about. They they kind of grew up together, and then to come back here as soon as we landed, we're driving to our hotel yesterday, and Amy goes, "Oh, it just makes my heart so warm. I'm just so glad to be back here." And so there's there's something about my my own family heritage being here, and there's a whole lot to that that is beyond just she lived up here. But uh, but to have such a great friendship with pastors Derek and Stacy, I love them with all my heart. He really is like a brother. I mean. I had to dumb it down a little bit. You know, he's got a Cajun brother now, so now when he's like the goofy person in the family, then I'm, I'm that one, right, you know? But uh, I do. I, I love him with all my heart. We, like he said, we vacation together. We hang out together. We, we coach and encourage and help pastors, and uh, I'm just thankful for your friendship. I, I love you guys so much, and thank you for uh, being such a good friend to Amy and I as well. And you need to know something that uh, John Maxwell is right. He says he's, he teaches leadership all over the world. He's probably the most pronounced uh, leadership guru that there is. He says that everything rises or it falls because of leadership. That's a very true statement, by the way. If you see a family, a business, an organization, a church, a country that is doing well, it's because there's great leadership. If you see a family, a business, an organization, a church, a country, whatever, that is not doing well, that also is because of leadership. And this church and what is happening here, uh, it has everything to do with your leadership. And not just here at Connect, although God is doing incredible things here, launching campuses and the vision that God has given your pastors, it truly is incredible. But it's beyond just Connect. There will be over 300, about 350 pastors and leaders will be in this building on Tuesday that all over New England learning how to grow and have a church just like this. And that happens because of the leadership. And if you would just take a moment and you would show some real honor to your pastors. Come on, y'all stand on your feet. And would you give it up for your pastors, Derek and Stacy? Yeah. Yeah. And the best part about their leadership is what you could see if you were in this corner over here. It, it's not just you guys cheering them on, but their kids as well. That's, that's a great family there. When your kids grow up in ministry and they still love God and the church. I mean, you know, that's a miracle right there. And uh, so it, it truly is. What, what's that? And, yeah, and their mom and dad. They love you guys. They love their family. They love their church. Now, uh, some of them were a lot more work than others. Devin. <laughs> Devin came down to Florida, him and Mallory as well, down to our leadership school at our church. And uh, boy, if you think Devin was a, is a mess now, 
You should have seen that brother years ago when he came down to Florida. Let me just tell you. No, uh, it's a real privilege. I, I, I love them. It's just, they, they feel like, you know, that's my, my nieces and my nephews. I, I truly, I love them with all my heart. And I'm so proud of them, just watching them all flourish and going off to school and doing ministry and all the things that God has called them to do. And so uh, I also really count it a pleasure to, to be here along with my wife as well. Amy and I just celebrated 25 years of marriage. Come on, y'all give it up for Amy. Come on, babe, stand up so they can see you. I got I to gotta show you off a little bit. When you have the finest woman that's ever sucked air off the planet as your wife, you want to stand up like, let them see him, baby, because, man. Right now, you want to listen to me. You're like, that dude knows something to get that. I'm going to lean it in today, man. Okay, so we have, we have four kids, and uh, so the oldest one just got married, uh, which means we got a significant pay raise because he's off the payroll. What? Whoop, whoop. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I just celebrated 25 years of ministry as well, and I turned 50 this year. So this has been a big year for me. A, I'm partying, let me tell you. So uh, I'm real honored to, because I know your pastor doesn't just give anybody this platform. And uh, to stand up here, uh, it's, a real, it's a real honor for me. You're in the middle of this series called Change. The whole idea behind it, as you can see right here, is that change is not easy. It is essential. In other words, change in our life, it, it is actually paramount. We, we must change. I, I remember a quote years ago that says, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you're not going somewhere. All right? So it, 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 it's important that your life is changing, it's progressing, that it's moving forward. It's not easy, but it is essential. The whole idea behind this series is to teach you how to go from where you are to where you feel like God is really calling you to be. And the reason why I'm glad to be up here today is because I, I really get to kind of, I'm, I'm hoping I can supplement your pastor today and, and pastor you a little bit. Like the word that God has put in my heart, it's very much a, a shepherd's word in a heart. I really, I want to pastor you today. I didn't I don't stand up here just kind of flippantly and just flip through my sermons and figure out what to preach. I, I really put some thought and prayer into it, like I always do. And, and I believe that God spoke to me, which means he knew you would be here and he knew I would be here. And he gave me the word, which is for you today. So I'm praying today that you receive this. And, and, and it works. I promise you his word works. The plan works if you work the plan. So I'm going to teach you the plan today, and then you're going to get to go work it. And my prayer, and your pastor's prayer, is that you would leave this place different than you came, and you would be equipped and resourced to go live in all that God has for you. I don't know about you guys, but I've been bullied before in my life. Anybody here ever been bullied before? Come on. Anybody here ever done the bullying? We want to know who you are. We're going to, we're going to corner you after service, right? I remember when I was growing up, primarily in elementary school and some in middle school as well, I was, you know, I was fat and slow and ugly and not athletic, and I was a perfect kid to pick on, you know what I'm saying? Had this kid in our elementary school where I grew up in Baton Rouge. He was a, he was a school bully, but he really liked picking on me. I was just such an easy target, you know. And uh, I, I remember I would try to, I'd try to avoid him, you know, as much as I could. 
one day after school, he, you know, he's coming after me, and I was trying to run. I lived about a mile from the school. I just couldn't wait to get home, and I just want to run and get home. And, and he comes chasing after me and tackles me, and I fall on the ground. And, you know, and he, he sits on me while I'm on my back, and he's holding my hands down, and I'm stuck, right? I can't move, and he's poking his finger in my chest. BJ, you loser, man. You ain't nothing. I'm just crying, man. I'm serious. It was awful. And then he's spitting the loogie out. And it would come out, and then he'd suck it back in right before it would get in my face, you know. Just totally torturing me. I know, isn't that awful? Don't you feel sorry for me? I mean, back thinking about it, I need to call my therapist, you know. I'm, I'm all jacked up again, you know. I would, uh, after school, I would try to find an alternative way to leave school to get home. I would avoid certain areas and places at school. I, everything because I was being bullied. And I didn't want to be treated that way anymore. Now, I don't necessarily think it's a physical sense. Although, in some cases, some of you guys really could be in a situation that is completely unhealthy physically. But I believe spiritually that maybe some of you in here are bullied. There's something that has authority over your life. And you try to alter your course of life. And you try to do everything you can to get away from it. And you just... You can't. It just keeps bullying you. And I want you to know today that you're going to be free in Jesus' name. I really believe today is a, is a great day for you because God's going to turn your life around. And I don't know what you're bullied with. I mean, studies show that, that people are, are messed up on drugs and alcohol and people try to quit. You know, 47% of people that have tried to quit smoking in, in the last year have done it again. And, you know, most ER visits to the, in the, to the emergency room now are because of illegal use of, of pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, they're, they're overusing it. Nearly 50% of or 26% of people in America are dealing with depression and anxiety. And may, maybe that's you. I, I don't know what is bullying you. But here's what I do know is that we're going to serve the devil notice today in Jesus' name. And a new person is going to be in charge of your life, and you're going to be able to live differently. You're going to be able to walk through change, and you're going to be experience freedom in God. And You don't have to be the same anymore in Jesus' name. So here's kind of what I want to give you as you're in this series of change. i got a kind of a big idea or a different way of spinning this today. Here it is. Everybody say revolution. That's what I want to happen today. What is a revolution? It is a fundamental change in power or organizational structure. Think about that for your own life. I'm not talking about a country. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about a business. I'm talking about your own life. When there is a fundamental change in power, in other words, who's in power of your life, or if you reorganize, there's a different structure to your life, that kind of revolution is what God wants to do in your life so that you can be free in Jesus' name. Amen? So I know how it works because uh, in Christianity, we all live this way. We, we have struggles. I bet you're probably struggling with something right now, whatever it is. And then you come to church and, you, you know, you put your Sunday best on. You put your best smile on and you walk in these doors and you, you got some stuff going on in your life. It, it even happens to married couples. I mean, you're fighting like cats and dogs. They're ready to kill each other. You get to church and you're like pulling the parking lot and all of a sudden, Hey, praise God. How you doing? Oh, we're blessed. <laughs> right? Why, why do we fake it like that? That's not a revolution. That's faking it. And you say, well, fake it till you make it. Well, you ain't ever going to make it if you're faking it. There has to be a revolution in your life. 
And if that's the way you are, if you're called in attention of that, pretending to be something that you're not, struggling with something that you wish you weren't struggling with, something is bullying you, something has control of your life, some days you're good, but then other days you're bad. That's what I mean. If that's you, this message is for you. This might, this verse that Paul gave, what you've been studying, this whole passage or series is out of uh, Romans is kind of the heart of it. Here we are in Romans 7. Paul says, I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Can anybody say amen there? Amen. I don't mean amen like somebody else. I mean amen because you wanted to do something else and you did the thing you didn't want to do. Come on, anybody? Ever? Yeah, now, let me tell you something. There ain't no way you that holy. I talked to Pastor Derek outside of here. I know what you like. How many of you ever done something wrong? I mean, are you that good? There's no way. All right. How many of you are sitting close to someone who's really done some bad things and like, oh, yeah, all right, okay, yeah. Next week's topic, lying. Boy, doesn't this describe us? There's this principle that lies. There's just something inside me that, that inevitably I want to do what's right, but I do what's wrong. Here we go. Verse 22. Look, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power that is at war within my mind. And this power, it makes me slave to the sin that's still within me. What a miserable person I am. Is this describing anyone? Who will free me? From this life that is dominated by sin. Come on, verse 25 is the praise God. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, do me a favor now. Would you, would you put your notes down, your phone, whatever it is, whatever you have in your hand. Just, I, don't, I don't want anything to distract you for a moment. Put it all down on your lap somewhere. Why don't you close your eyes. Forget about who's here or who's not here. Forget about what's waiting outside or what you left to come in here with. Would you shut all of that down? Would you just get a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross? And as he's there, he's thinking about you. Would you just get a picture in that in your mind right now? God, I just pray for everyone here. We didn't come here to go through some religious ceremony. We was do some songs and hear some sermon and, and walk out of here after, you know, having some uh, religious ceremony. We came here today because we, we need you. And God, there needs to be a revolution in all of our lives. Things that we no longer need to be in control of or things that no longer need to be in control of us. And we surrender that to you. And God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts to receive, and spirits to be encouraged today so that we can receive these words today from you. And then we can leave this place different than we came. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about what are the obstacles for us living in this freedom? And then what's the process that we can go through to, to live in change? Okay, so if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I really want you to write down. So put in your phone or your tablet or writing it down. If you're, if you're not taking notes, uh, write it down or put it in your phone anyway. Okay, the first hindrance that we have to this kind of change is the things that we've done. We all raised our hand a while ago. Yeah, we, we've, we've done something wrong. Okay, and even if you didn't admit you did something wrong, that's another something you did wrong. Okay, we've, we've all made some mistakes, but it's, it's those mistakes in, in how they get ingrained in our life that keep us from living in all that God has for us. David said this in Psalm 38. He said, my bones, they have no soundness. Look at it. Because of sin. 
When he's talking about his bones, he's not talking about literally. He just means like at the very core. Sometimes in the scripture when you study this word, it's called suke. It, it actually is the very core of who you are. He says, I don't have any soundness. In other words, things seem very unsettled, and it's because of sin. Verse 4, my guilt has overwhelmed me. It's like a burden that's too heavy to bear. Look, the things that you and I have done wrong, they are too much for us to manage on our own. I mean, you can try it, but I promise you, that's not the way God designed us to carry around our own sin. I'll never forget the first time I felt this enormous amount of guilt. I was fairly young, 10, 11, 12 years old. I was at a friend's house, and uh, he called me into his dad's room, and he pulled out his dad's stash of pornography, his pornographic magazines. And this was before digital and Internet and all of that, so it was all magazines, right? He calls me in there, and he says, look at all of my dad's magazines. He says, come see this. And I remember, I, I, I remember the struggle. It's like I didn't, I knew that it was not right. I didn't want to, but, but you know, it's like a sheep being led to the slaughter. I was, I was being pulled that way, and I, and I didn't know how to overcome that. And I remember looking at it and, and with him, and he's showing me all that his dad had. And then after that, just the guilt. Honestly, it, it could not be described any better than what was there and is there in Psalm 38. And I didn't know how to get away from it. I didn't know what to do with it. And church, church didn't help me leave the church I grew up in. Because when I went to church, all they wanted to tell me is how bad I was going to bust hell wide open. You know what I mean? I don't know if you guys ever grown up in a church like that. It's like, you're going to hell, he says, I don't want to go. I know. I don't want to go to hell. And my Sunday school teacher, she was an expert on hell. She had a degree in hell. She acted like she was born and raised there. B said, you going to hell? I don't want to go to hell. That's all she could tell me is I was going to hell. Then I had this epiphany. Wait a minute. Are you going to heaven? Because if you're going to heaven, I'd rather go to hell because I don't want to be with you to all eternity, man. She, <laughs> she was mean. You know what I'm saying? All right. I just, I tried to manage it on my own, which led me to the next time that I had an enormous amount of guilt poured onto my life. I was 13 years old at that time. I smoked my first marijuana uh, joint, my weed. I remember. I remember the feeling of that. I mean, you know, things subside in those moments. That, that's why people turn to drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever. They're, they're looking for something to make them feel better about themselves. They might buy a new house or buy a new car, start a new relationship or start a new job or leave a church and go somewhere else because everything is just, it's basically it's Novocaine for the pain in your heart. It would, it would be very similar to you having a constant pain, like a headache that could never go away, and you take Tylenol. Did the headache go away? No, you just don't feel it, but it's still there. And you can manage your own sin. I mean, you're welcome to try it. But man, we were humans. We were never built to carry our own sin. That's why God sent his son, Jesus. I see people all the time in ministry try to manage their own sin. Pastors Derek and Stacy, I know you do as well. I see it in public all the time. I see people just like you at my church down in Florida. I see them in public, and they're smoking, and they see me, and they, <coughs> hey, Pastor, how you doing, right? They, they feel guilty about what they're doing, or they're trying to, they got a drink. Oh, hey, hey, trying to get rid of it, you know. While I'm... As if me not seeing it would be okay. All that does is show me a little snippet into their heart. They feel guilty. And that's why they're drinking and smoking anyway, trying to feel better. 
about who they are. I submit to you, it could be the Holy Spirit prodding at something in your life, not to condemn you, but to lead you to a place of freedom. So what is it that you're trying to cover up? Could be the Holy Spirit trying to help you out. Because we're all going to do things wrong, but it's what you do with it that determines whether you're free or not. Okay, so things we've done. The next thing, it leads us to this point, which is the lies that we believe. So we do things wrong, and so we, we then begin to accept lies. And where do they come from? Let's look at the verse in John chapter 8. Jesus says the devil, that he's a murderer, he has been from the beginning. He's not holding to the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, I love the description of this. He speaks his native language. It's all he can speak. Connect. It's the only thing the devil can do is speak lies. There is no truth in him. He's never spoken a truthful word in his life. He's the father. He's the originator of all lies. So when, when you have done something wrong, and here's what the devil's lie is, that what you did is who you are. And so then you go, well, man, maybe I'm never going to change. Maybe I'm always going to be this way, or my family, or my finances, or my life. It's just the way it's always going to be. Then you go to look at the Word of God. That's what you should do. What does the Word of God say about me? That'll give you the truth. And then you'll know, well, he's speaking a lie. And if that's what he's speaking, then the very opposite must be true. So I'm going to trust God. I am going to be free. My family is going to be settled. There is going to be peace and deliverance in Jesus' name. You got to know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. But the devil will tell you lies like that and make you just think that's the way your life is supposed to be. It reminds me a lot of this dog we have when we were growing up. His name was Sully. Our kids, we just saw the movie Monsters, Inc., and then we got the dog. That's where Sully came from, right? And so Sully loved to run away from our house. You know, the kids, they would leave the door open, and so we thought, well, you know, we couldn't let him out in the yard. He'd run away. we put a fence up. The kids would leave the fence open. He'd run. He was always running away, right? And, uh, and he never ran away at the most opportune time. We're running late for something. We're going to church. You know, pa pastors deal with the same way. Everybody hurry up. Get in the car. We got to go to church, right? And everybody's, like, stressed out, right? And we get in the car, and we're like, oh, we got to put Sully up. Where's Sully? He ran away. Stupid dog. I would. I'd say, well, just he doesn't love us. That's why he runs away. Let him go. <laughs> oh, no, my kid. My dad. He doesn't love you. <laughs> so what we decided to do is to put a shot collar on Sully so that he couldn't run away. Some of you got, oh, no, it wouldn't hurt him. It just, like, never mind. I'm not even going there. All right. So, and it worked. He's, he quit running away. It's like, wow, we love Sully. He's the greatest dog ever, you know? <laughs> and then after a while, the, the battery ran out. We needed to replace it on the collar, and we didn't replace it. But he didn't know that, so he'd run right up to the border and stop. He could have been free, but he didn't know it. I submit to you, there's some of you that are completely free, but you're believing a lie. And you think you're still in bondage. Right, write this down. It, it's, it's not on the screen. Uh, God prompted it in my heart this morning. But a lie believed as truth, a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if 
it were true. In other words, if the devil tells you something and you go ahead and ascribe to that and you make that your theology about life, then you'll live your whole life and it's really a lie. You'll be like Sully. You'll be in bondage, but you really should be free. You don't have to live with that. I'm just telling you, connect. You can be free. You are not what you have done. And you will not live this way forever. You will only live that way as long as you accept it. So, what can we do? How, how can we have a fundamental a revolution, a fundamental change in our lives? Let me, let me close with this the rest of our time together. Here's what I want you to know. Look at this. It is better to confess your sins than to hide your sins. Now, we all like that is a fun thing to say amen to because conceptually it sounds easy. But remember, change is not easy. It is just essential. It's not easy to confess. It's much easier to hide. I think it's part of our nature as well. Go all the way to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned. What's the first thing they did? They hid, right? And so it's not easy to do that, but I promise you it's the way to freedom. Proverbs 28, he who conceals covers up tries to keep it to yourself. That's what that word means, their sin. They don't prosper. They don't, they don't progress and make, make forward motion and progress. They're not successful. However, whoever confesses to make something known, to, to bring something to light, and they renounce it, meaning I'm going to reject that, I'm not going to accept that, uh, well, that's the person who finds mercy. Reject. That, think of something. Think like it's almost repulsive, Right? I'm going to reject that. It, 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 it's to me, the picture that comes to my mind is uh, these the several years I was under enormous amounts of stress and during the early parts of the church. And I, I, I thought I had food poisoning like three times all in one year. You know, it was like, well, I'm not eating at that restaurant ever again. I'm not eating at that restaurant again. I went to the doctors like, I keep getting food poisoning. You know, my body, when you get food poisoning, your body is rejecting something that is not right. So I go to the doctor and figure out what in the world is going on. He goes, well, you don't have food poisoning issues. You have stress issues. And that, that's what's happening inside you. And I went, oh. All of a sudden, it was no longer concealed. It was made known. Well, I, I rejected it. I renounced it. And I'm like, well, I'm not, there's no way. So I took that and I said, God, that's yours. I'm, I, this church is not mine, my family, my whatever I'm dealing with. That's not mine. I give it to you. I've never had trouble with it again. Not because of me, because I gave it to God. I mean, I don't have the power to do it. I had to make a decision that this is not mine. This is God's. So, what do we need to do? Confess your sins. Don't hide them. So, here it is. Confess to God, and that's how you receive forgiveness. Confess to God for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, make them known to God, he can be depended upon to forgive us. How many of you are thankful that God doesn't just forgive you once? But his mercies can be new every day. I don't know about you, but I, I've messed up a couple times in my life, like the same thing, all right? But he can be depended on. You can count on it. He will forgive you. I love this. And cleanse us from every wrong. That word cleanse, it means to make something new all over again. I, I love that picture. No matter how dirty or how messed up your stain of your sin, your life is, God can like, you know, think of an Etch-A-Sketch. You know, you just shake it up. God's not going to shake you up. But, you know, you, you can get a fresh, clean, you start all over again. I remember when my kids were young, 
trying to teach them this. In fact, that one of my sons, the oldest one who just got married, he got caught one day lying. And man, he was messed up. I ain't gonna lie. He was like, he felt so bad as he got caught. I think he just felt bad too, you know. And um, I remember sitting down with him. He was so overcome with guilt that he, he, he was out of control, right? He just, he's just so emotionally just distraught. And I thought, I got to teach my son how to manage his guilt. And the deal is, you should manage it. You got to give it to God, right? And so I read this verse to him. I said, son, if we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and he'll forgive you and give you a fresh start. Do you want that? <laughs> yes. You know, he was just overcome. I said, okay, all we got to do is give it to him. And so we prayed and he gave him, gave God that he confessed it. And, and you could just see, like physically, there was a change. All of a sudden, my son was back. And it was such a great principle to teach him. But we forget that as Christians, don't we? We forget that. We, we forget. You, you remember how when you first gave your life to Jesus? Man, you were just so free. It reminds me of our dog Sully, actually. Well, when you give a dog a bath right right after that, what do they do? They're running around, jumping on the furniture, and acting crazy, you know? Even when Sully was 13 years old, right before he died, he acted like a puppy again because he was clean. That's the way we are as Christians, right? Think back of when you first gave your life to Christ. Oh, man, everything was great. The sky was bluer than it's ever been, right? The grass was greener. The church was better. Your work, every song was your favorite worship song. Oh, crank that, baby. It's my favorite one. Woo! And now you're like, I don't like that song. Why are we singing that song? Right. I mean, everything was just so new. And then we try to start managing our sin on our own. All you got to do is say, God, I messed up, man. Forgive me. And you could be free again in your relationship with Jesus Christ and running around and the sky is bluer and the grass is greener. If you make a decision to not manage your sin on your own, otherwise you can be like that verse earlier with David. And he says, I'm just overwhelmed with this burden of sin that's too heavy to carry. Second thing, confess to God for forgiveness. Confess to others or to people for healing. Confess to people for healing. You know, this whole confession thing, it, it really is kind of one coin with two sides to it. This is important that you get this. You confess to God and he forgives you. But you need to have some people in your life that you can share that with. And that's where healing comes from. Here it is in James 5. Confess your sins. Remember, that word confess means to make something known. Confess your sins to each other and then pray for each other. Look at this. And then you will be healed. You'll be changed. You'll be set free. You'll be made whole when you confess to others. Now, look, you don't have to confess to someone else for your sins to be forgiven. That's what Jesus did, right? But you need to have somebody in some place where you can take off the mask and you can go, here's where I'm really struggling. Look, you don't, you don't confess to everybody, but you need to have someone that knows the real you. I know a lot of Christians that are forgiven, but they're just not healed. Because they're managing it on their own. And that could be you. I mean, you might be forgiven. You might be a Christian and on your way to heaven. But how about let's live some healed life while we're on this earth, right? I love it as a pastor. People come to me and they go, hey, I got to tell you something I've never told anyone before. I'm like, yes. You know why? Because I know they're about to get free. They're going to be healed. They're going to be whole. Life is going to be so much different. Years ago, I had this man, he came to me and he says, uh, Randy, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anyone before. 
And I got excited, got all giddy. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. He goes, I'm addicted to pornography. And this was years ago, before the digital age. He says, I have some magazines. I'm, I'm addicted to pornography. And I said, that's great. You're getting ready to get healed. I said, well, we got to get rid of this stuff, though. And so I said, load that stuff up and come meet me at the church tonight. We're going to have a burning ceremony, right? We're going to burn this stuff and get rid of it. So he, sure enough, him and his wife, they come over. Amy and I meet him at the church. We make this big pile of uh, magazines to burn. And when I say a big pile, you need to understand, he didn't come with like a couple of boxes. This dude's work van, top to bottom, front to back, magazines. It was crazy. like, bro, what could you have done with all the money you spent on this stuff right here? No wonder why you're struggling. No, he, he was like, I'm ready to get rid of this. And we just started, we just put them in a big pile and poured some diesel all over them and threw the match on them, watching them burn, like, burn, devil, burn. And about three minutes later, the fire is going out. I was like, what in the world? Was he pour some more diesel on them? Burn, baby, burn. Three minutes later, it goes out. Like, what in the world? Well, they, these magazines, they put some film on them to where they wouldn't burn. That devil. Man, we tried for hours. My wife was there. She remembers. We just kept trying. It's like gallons and gallons and gallons of diesel. It just wasn't burning. So we said, well, let's just put it in a dumpster. So we get the shovels and start putting it it in a dumpster. Next morning, I showed up to the church office of work, and everybody's talking about the dumpster fire that happened last night. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I'm confessing to you, but don't you dare tell my pastor back in Baton Rouge, all right? That man was free, and he lived free the rest of his life. He was forgiven, but he needed to be free. There is a big difference. Look, your church talks about it around here all the time, small groups. You think it's a program. It's not a program. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to have relationships with somebody where you can take off the mask and go, Hey, let me tell you something I've never told anyone before. You're never going to be changed without it. You're forgiven, but you'll never be all that God wants you to be. So I would just encourage you to have somebody in your life that you can share that with. And then you get to live in what I would call realize that Christ, he really will, and he has set you free. Come on, this is the good part. This is the part we get to celebrate. It's like, okay, you're right. I've done some things wrong. I'm believing some lies. I'm confessing to God. I'm forgiven. i got to have people in my life. And now you get to live in freedom. The Bible describes it like this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, come on, say it like Braveheart. There is freedom. Yeah, you did really good. You see, I think, I think probably the most important thing you could learn of all the message, everything I've shared today, I'd like for you to get this, that the secret to being successful in life or, or perhaps the secret to seeing real change in your life, it's not trying harder. It's surrendering more. You see, I got introduced to pot when I was 13 years old, and I didn't know how to manage my sin on my own. And, uh, and I tried, and it just got worse, and I, I became an addict. And there was a day in my life where I overdosed on drugs. And whenever I got to the hospital, I don't, I don't remember. I, but I was, there was no life in me. And the uh, doctors in the, in the emergency room, they, they worked on me. And obviously, you know, God gave me life again. 
And I uh, remember after that, I didn't even surrender really my life to God after that, which is kind of, you know, I'm a Cajun. <laughs> what do you expect? Okay, that would have been a great opportunity, don't you think? All right. I tried to manage it on my own. Well, I'm not going to do this drug or that drug or hang out with these people or those people. And I went to drug rehabs and treatment centers and did 12-step programs. I, I did all of those things. And I just kept, like, a, like the Bible says, a dog returns to his vomit, as nasty as that is. Why don't we sometimes realize that's what we're doing? We keep returning to the very thing that we don't like. And I remember I kept doing those things over and over and over again. And then I realized no matter how hard I tried, I could grit my teeth and say, I'm never doing that again. I did it again. I realized what I just told you. The secret to being free in life is not trying harder. It's surrendering more. Because on January 30th of 1992, 26, nearly 27 years ago, I made a decision to surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I bowed my knee, I bowed my heart, I bowed my life, and I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when I stood up that day, not only was I forgiven, but I was free. I was forgiven by God. I put myself in the right place with the right friends. I went through freedom class, the step that happens today at your church. I went through that. I surrounded myself with the right people and since then, I have never, ever, ever returned to any of that again in Jesus' name. Come on, give Jesus some praise in this place. And it wasn't Randy. I mean, Randy, I worked the plan, and then the plan works. So you can have a revolution today. It can be a change in the authority and the structure and the leadership of your life. And can I just tell you, your life will never be the same again. And the good news is, God has set you up for success because I think you're in the greatest church you could ever be in. You, you have the right teaching, the right atmosphere, the presence of God is here. You have small groups, places for you to meet friends and people. You have freedom curriculum that you can go through and learn how to walk and talk and learn and be in relationship with the Holy Spirit to continue your freedom. Oh, man, you guys are set up for success. Jesus got to work the plan. And I believe it will work in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I pray for those here today. God, I think those that are here that are struggling, maybe they walked in here just believing a lie that that's just the way it's going to be. But God, today the lie was exposed. The light has been shed on this lie and we renounce it and reject it. I pray that everyone here that's struggling with anything from emotional issues to addiction issues or financial or relational issues or just sin issues God we renounce them in Jesus name and God there is a revolution that's happening right now we will be free and we'll live in all that you have for us because when the sun sets us free we are free we are free indeed with your eyes still closed and your head still bowed maybe for some of you in here it, it truly is time to have a, an all out revolution it's getting out of the driver's seat of your life and getting out of the way and letting Jesus take the wheel and drive your life. Or maybe at some point in time you lived that or you made that decision and you've, I guess you just drifted. You kind of got back in the driver's seat or you think this is like driver's ed class and there's two steering wheels. No, he's either he's in control or you are. and You have to make a decision. Who's it really going to be? 
Maybe you got to get back to that place or make it for the very first time. If that is you, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is not about joining a church. Matter of fact, this is about simply being in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to make that decision, I'm going to lead us into prayer in just a second here. And if you want to make that decision right where you are on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Lift your hand up. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you guys can put your hands back down. You know what I just saw? Keep your eyes closed. I want you to get a picture of this. You know what I just saw? I saw something just like I saw that man years ago. I'm about to tell you something I've never told anyone before. You lifted your hand as if to say, I'm about to do something I've never done before. Today marks the first day of the rest of your life. I'm going to ask everybody in here, would you do me a favor and stand up? Whether you raise your hand or not, everyone stand up. And I'm going to ask you to do something perhaps you've never done before. Would you lift both your hands to the Lord? Come on, just lift them up. You know why we do that in church? It's a sign of surrendering. And uh, right now you have an opportunity to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to all pray this prayer together. Would you say, Heavenly Father, I know you love me. You love me a lot. I don't know why, but I know you do. So today, I surrender to that love. Thank you, Jesus. You took my sin. You died with it. You paid the price for my freedom. So I believe it in my heart. I confess with my mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord, and you are my Savior. Now, Holy Spirit, as my hands are lifted, I'm surrendering to you. Let the Spirit of the Lord come inside me that I might be free and free indeed. I cannot, I cannot, cannot do it alone. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise.